I have an idea and I want you to participate with me. I don't want to. You told me you didn't. Okay. You fucking. Will you, you do a couple's costume for Halloween with me? Uh, what's the costume? Um, I want to dress up as Ethel and Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be Ethel from Friday the 13th oh, Part 5. Obviously I'm going to be Junior. you be Junior. Will you do that with me? Maybe. I mean, we've talked about going as Suzanne and Angela before, haven't we? Yeah. Because there was another one I came up with recently that I was like, oh man, this would be a great couple's costume. Well, we have a whole month to dress up. I forgot up. what it was. We don't just have one day, you know. <laughs> We're going to dress up every day? Yeah, a every different, day. A different, different couple's, couple's costume, costume every fucking day. Jesus Christ. Seriously, I had a genius one and it's gone. Had you told me? I don't remember. I don't tell you everything. <laughs> no, you really don't. And it hurts my feelings. <laughs> no, I, especially things that involve you. <laughs> yeah, I should tell you, you about. You just make decisions for me. So, I, uh, Philip, I've decided that actually we're going to be. Axel and Nurse Morgan. Nurse Robbie oh Morgan. From Friday the 13th Part oh. 4. Who's who? Who's who there? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I'm Nurse Axel. Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> you be Jason, I'll be Pam. Allah Voorhees. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Pam Allah. <laughs> Nobody calls her Pam. Nobody calls her Pam. In her whole life, she's never been called Pam. Never. Certainly not Pammy. <laughs> Can you imagine? She probably killed the person who called her Pammy. <laughs> Has anybody ever been called Pammy? I mean, I have to imagine some. I don't I mean, has. like, I know Tammy's. Yeah. I know Cammy's. I know Sammy's. I know Whammy's. <laughs> no, you don't. No. You don't know any Whammy's. No Whammy's. No Whammy's. <laughs> Gammies, gammies is a name people call grandma, yeah, right? Gammy. Yeah, what are there? Are there bammies? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're stretching. Are there hammies? Hi, my name's Hamela. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm I'm Hamantha. I'm Hamuel. <laughs> I don't know why this is so funny to me. <laughs> Pammy. I've never met a Pammy. I've never heard of a Pammy. If there are any Pammies out there, I would love to hear from you. You know what I bet, though? I bet at one point in her teenage years, Pamela Voorhees went by Mel. She seems like the type. Yeah. She's like, call me Mel. Yeah. <laughs> she, she lowered her voice like that. She called me Mel. When she was into like, when she was like reading Kerouac or something, she was like. <laughs> I mean, that was a, a little minute, before her time. For a minute, she was like in the, the beat scene, man. And she was like, I go by Mel. I was more thinking that when she first started getting into cooking at summer camps, she kind of developed this relationship with, you know, one of the, you know, buxom uh, counselors, like blonde counselors, you know, and just a little crush. And so she she butched herself up a little bit. I feel like Pamela. I just (laughs) don't call her Pam. I just did it too. (laughs) I feel like she was never that free. I feel like she was always too repressed. I feel like if she... Oh, if she, she didn't know this was happening. Yeah. And she would never do anything sexual with practically anybody except, you know, Jason's dad one time. I feel like she had sex once in one her One time, life. yeah. Once ever, period. And it was Jason was the product. And I think that Pam Bala... <laughs> Like, why you, I, you I think that in her us. in her subconscious that she got this crush on this counselor, female counselor, mm-hmm. and she put herself up a little bit, not realizing what she was doing, and she was like, "Call me Mel." And then one time, someone was like, "That's a man's name," and she was like, oh, "It is," <laughs> and stopped. Yeah, yeah, totally. And that was that was her foray into woman on woman stuff. That was it. 
Just call me Mel. That was her one, yeah. For like, <laughs> she had a she had a bad thought. <laughs> she had a bad thought. She had a bad thought. <laughs> one bad thought in her life. Yeah. That's it, it. I mean, and I'm not saying that's a bad thought. I'm saying she thought, you know. Well, yeah, right, of her, course. Her, her, her being raised the way she was. Really? Because I kind of feel at this point in this podcast, we've made it very clear we think gay thoughts are very bad They're thoughts. They're sinful abominations. In the hottest fucking way. <laughs> Drown me in, in that sin. Okay. I just want to look good for the boys! Welcome to Look Good for the Boys, a horror gossip podcast. Yeah, welcome. I am Philip. <laughs> Why are you laughing? That's I don't my know. name. I don't know. I'm Andy. Okay, so. If you haven't by now, you should rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Have Apple you? Podcasts. It's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. I still call it iTunes. Wherever you get your podcasts, rate and review us. We don't say that very often. We never. We here's the thing. We more. never say it. I, I see sometimes on Twitter people complaining about podcasts, always saying that. Here's the thing. We have to. We do? Yeah. Why? Because they'll kill us if we don't. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I forgot about that letter we got where they threatened to murder us yeah. if we don't get rates and reviews. We have to. You guys think it's it's funny that we say it. It's but not our lives funny are on the line. If we don't say it. I'm, they've taken two of my fingers. <laughs> They were my sex fingers, too. They wow. weren't even my... That sucks. Yeah. I used to have three dogs. Now I only have two. And they were your sex dogs. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. Wow. So the stakes are high. Yeah, you need to rate and review us. I would like to welcome us to Friday the 13th month. A whole month of Friday the 13th. Yeah. So, okay. So this week is the week of... July 13th, which is not on a Friday. It's not. It's but not at we all. we can pretend. But next month is August 13th, which is on a Friday. It's the only summer Friday the 13th we get this year, so we are going to celebrate it. God, if this were the 80s, a Friday the 13th movie would be coming out. Yeah, absolutely. So we have this week, the week of July 13th, to start and celebrate every week leading up to Friday, August 13th. We're going to be spending it doing all kinds of Camp Crystal Lake activities, yeah. such as s'mores. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to do any s'mores. What you don't like s'mores? Actually, I love s'mores. s'mores yeah, they don't. Great. They're not called slesses. <laughs> they're called s'moreses. That's very true. Because you want more of them. No. So what really what we're doing this month is we are going to be taking all twelve Friday the Thirteenth films. God damn it! And it's such a f- fucking slap in the face <laughs> that there are 12 Friday the 13th movies that they have not gotten their shit together right to make a 13 in the last 12 years yeah, it's, it's been, been 12, 12 years, years. It's, the time it's is 12. now yeah the time is now new line cinema or paramount i don't know whoever has the rights now so we are going to be doing hot or not alive with all 12 friday the 13th films rating all the victims of all 12 movies that's so much it's a lot. It's going to take us a while. That's why so we set aside much. a whole month. This isn't just one week of Friday the 13th. We had to set aside a whole month to do this because it is 12 fucking movies. It's 12 movies. And you've 
heard us talk about the Leprechaun movies. Imagine the, I mean, there's six Leprechaun movies. Aren't there eight? Sorry. There are eight Leprechaun <laughs> movies. That's four less movies. Yeah, but there's also and a lot less victims. Way fewer victims. Way fewer victims in Leprechaun. There's like less than a third of the number of victims. Yeah. So this is not, this is not a light endeavor. Like later Friday the 13th films have over 20 each. <laughs> Of named people, like yeah. people that we actually have to talk about, people not people that we can just write off. Yeah. Everybody needs to take a seat. It's going to be a long month. Yeah. But we're going to be talking about a lot of hot people, so it'll be a good month. I just want to be clear, we're not starting the Hot or Not Alive this episode. This episode, we're introing, we're talking about some Friday the 13th related stuff, and mm -hmm. we're, we're kicking off Friday the 13th month with just some other related activities yeah just some real cool summer camp activities yeah. some swimming some Before, kayaking you know you don't when you go to camp they don't first day here's the fucking deal i mean they do it's orientation but it's mostly first day is like you get to know each other yep. you play a couple games mm -hmm. maybe some team building stuff mm -hmm. you, you find your cabins you find your your cabin your bunk mates there's a ghost stories or sing-along at the end of the night after dinner and it's it's like a fun light I mean, camp is fun in general, but like there are like there's a schedule at camp. You don't start the schedule the first day of camp. Yeah, right. No. no. So, so we're not jumping right into all your shit. Hey, Andy, do you have something you want to talk about? Oh yeah, I do. You don't have to. I, no, I want to. I want to talk about. You would like to talk about? I noticed you have a copy of Men, Women, and Chainsaws. I want to talk about Final Girls. Okay. And you know what Final Girls? And I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you know what Final Girls are. I feel like I know what a final girl is, but I feel do like you, you should, I feel like you should tell me, or do you want me to tell you what I think a final <laughs> what girl is? What do you is? think a final girl is? I think a final girl is somebody is the the girl who survives a horror movie, is the girl at the end who yeah. comes away, you know, that's more bruised or less. and bleeding, but alive. That's more or less what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a term coined by Carol J. Clover in the book Men, Women and Chainsaws, Gender in the Horror Film. And it's yeah, more or less. It's there's a lot of different traits and attributes that are ascribed to a tr traditional final girl. The final girl has gone through lots of different changes and, and evolutions over the years, mm -hmm. and there are different kinds of final girl. It's a spectrum. Yeah, final girl is a spectrum. Is a spectrum. But traditionally, the idea of the final girl kind of was born out of the the, the observations that it's the character who is observant and. I don't want to say chaste or virginal, although those are traits that are often ascribed. Carol J. Clover says that it's their their kind of rejecting of male attention, or or maybe just of traditional male attention. Yeah, they're maybe withdrawn, but they're also resourceful. And the whole thing is that they they go through a, a growth of being the victim to then being the monstrous hero and asserting themselves and defeating the threat. Or at the very least, escaping the threat. They are surviving mm -hmm. this ordeal. She is Laurie Strode in Halloween. Nancy Thompson in Nightmare on Elm Street. Jesse in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I want to really quick. Friday the 13th series, entire franchise. I have a whole thing where like, I consider the Paramount films, the first eight films, as like part of their own canon. And I consider the New Line films to be kind of like an Elseworlds or like what if continuity where there really isn't a continuity or a mm -hmm. fixed chronological canon. It's just kind of like, these are like kind of like musings on the idea. Improvisations of a theme. 
It's Jason Voorhees and the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jazz with Jason. So just, and I don't think you're going to say, if I ask you this question, you're not going to say somebody from any of the New Line films, I don't think. I might. You might. There's one I could see. Okay. Now I want to find that one. There's right. one I could see a case to be made for. What's right. your... Hit who, me. Who, not what, that's women or not what's... Mm. Nobody's a what. Nobody. No is person. People is are a not what. what's. Yeah. People are who's. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite final girl in the Friday series? Because I know my answer. I think I know your answer. Do you know my answer? Oh wait, let's see if we can guess. Okay, guess mine. Alice. You got it. Okay. Ding ding ding. First try. She's not only my favorite final girl in the Friday franchise. She's possibly my favorite final girl ever. 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 She wow. might be. She might be an ever. Okay. For me. Let me solidify my choice before you guess my choice. Okay. Hold on. I'm just I'm just running through them in my head real quick. Just making sure I got them all. Can I guess? It's not a lot of competition. Yeah, go uh, ahead. I go feel like there's guess. some fierce competition that gets overlooked. You know who it is. It's Ginny. Yes, it's Ginny. Yeah, that's, I feel like Ginny is... I don't want to be like... This is gonna. This could sound shitty. I feel like Ginny is the popular answer, mm-hmm. and I feel like there's a reason for that. Like yeah. I would never try to be like, "Oh, how dare you say Ginny over Alice?" I get it. Ginny is amazing. Mm-hmm. She's also canceled because she says the R word. <laughs> well, you know, it was I'm a so different kidding. time. I'm so kidding. Yeah, you can't hold people's tweets from 1981 <laughs> against them now. My whole thing with Alice is just like. Adrienne King's performance is incredible. Her performance is so naturalistic and just so like full of nuance. And it really enriches that character who could have been, I mean, she's well-written too. She's not a poorly written character, but she could have been, she's sparsely written enough that like Alice could, you know, without Adrienne King or someone of her caliber in the, in the role, it's a performance that could have not been as great as it is. Yeah, absolutely. I love Alice. She's my favorite final girl, I think. I respect that. Yeah. No disrespect to Olivia Hussey or Jamie Lee Curtis, you know. In we're, we're all allowed to have our people. Yeah. You know, it's fine. I know. And you know what? I can choose Ginny as my favorite, and that doesn't mean Alice sucks. No, no, it no, just no. means Ginny's the one I connect with. No. Yeah. So what's your what's with Ginny? What's the deal with Ginny? Well, okay. There's a number of things. First of all, her hair. Yeah. I yeah. I I love the tomboy thing, and I think that she balances it in a way that I find really intriguing and fun that's different than the way Alice does. Yeah, it's funny because Alice, if we're going to be doing the, if we're going to talk about the gender stuff, mm-hmm. Ginny feels more like a tomboy than Alice. Right, but Alice is very much a tom. I mean, yeah. yeah very but much Alice, like, she's got the shorter hair. She's got the... Alice does more manual labor. Yeah, she does more, like, of the, like, doing camp shit. Right. Shit. I, I mean, I love the way that they both interact with the men in their lives. But I think that Ginny, I, I like her playfulness more. They're, they're both playful in a, mm-hmm. in a way I love, but Ginny's, I just, I relate to more. Mm-hmm. G- the way Ginny interacts with Paul is the way I interact with like every dude in yeah. my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's sweet though. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Paul is, look, Paul is better than Steve. Yes. Like, hands down. Very much so. Hands down, Paul is better than Steve. So it speaks to Ginny having maybe better taste mm. than than Alice. Or maybe more of, like, I don't know. She's more kind of in touch with that part of herself than Alice was. Which is maybe also why, probably why I like Alice better. Because, <laughs> like, I like the, like, oh, you can't stop making mistakes. I can relate to that. Yeah. 
there's a scene in t- when t- in when Ginny, the scene where she says the aforementioned R word, when she's doing her thing about Jason, and being like, "Can you imagine what that must be like?" She's really like putting herself there. She's really like, it's amazing. It's, I a, love it's that amazing scene so work. Much. Yeah, her scene. That that know. scene is fantastic. And she also does have like probably the best like turning it around on Jason scene. Yeah. Of anyone. Well, and even before that, when you're looking at the extended chase sequences that are very common mm-hmm. for the final girl once everybody else is dead, I just find Jenny's to be the most interesting to me in terms of how she acts and what she chooses to do and how her character comes through in that. I, I just I love every moment that she's on screen. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid to choose the popular pick. No, and nor nor should you. Like I, this isn't horror, but like when people ask me, like, "What's your favorite Scorsese movie?" I'm like, "Well, it's Taxi Driver." I'm sorry. <laughs> like, like sometimes the popular obvious choice is the correct one for me. Like, and w- when people ask me, like, "What's your favorite Best Picture winner?" I'm always like, "Shakespeare in Love." I mean, totally American <laughs> Beauty for me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. I also like. There's a lot of unsung final girls in this series. I mean, I do think there's a lot of fierce competition. Once I think Ginny and Alice, no matter who you talk to, I feel like those are going to be the top two, just across the board. Yeah, I do agree with you though. That I, oftentimes, when multiple people survive, that some of them eclipse others, and unfairly so. Like I feel like young Tommy eclipses Trish in an unfair way. I feel mm-hmm. like Reggie and Tommy eclipse Pam in an unfair yeah. way. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing too, is that. You know, in those films, the Jarvis trilogy we're talking about, yeah. where, you know, four, five, and six, there are final girls. Mm-hmm. You've got Pam, you've got Trish, you've got Megan, yeah. and all three of them are t- fucking terrific. Yeah, you're right. It is a little unfair that they kind of get eclipsed. Mm-hmm. Especially Megan, actually, now that you mention her name. And I feel like because it is the Tommy Jarvis trilogy that the attention is paid to him. And he doesn't even do anything in five. And in six, you know, he's great. I love Tommy Jarvis in six, but... I feel like everybody ignores Megan. Yeah. Megan's so great. Mm-hmm. But I just, I kind of want to take this moment to sort of acknowledge that because we're going to be talking about that, these hot or not lives. Yeah. We're going to be talking about all these people who are dead and not spending a lot of time on the final girls in these films. And so like just a little like bit of a, yeah, fuck yeah, Trish and Megan and Pam are great. You know, not so much Chris in three. <laughs> right. This is a good segue then. Yes. Because Chris is... I'm sure there's exceptions. I'm sure, like, I'm going to say this now, and then I'm sure, like, later on, I'm going to be like, wait, what about this? Chris might be the earliest example to me of a not-my-final-girl. She's a quintessential not-my-final-girl. Yeah, I would say that. She is a quintessential not-my-final-girl. And especially when you have a character who could be a semi-final-girl in that very film in the form of Vera. And that brings us to not-my-final-girl. Okay, I get it. I'm a cis man talking about final girls a subject of feminist critique and appraisal perspective you know so okay final girls as a concept is now just a widely accepted and discussed and dissected aspect of horror culture and horror films right i don't think it's something that even as a cis white male you need to preface to be able to use and dissect i think it's become such a huge part of the entire horror world that it is something that we can all participate in a conversation on. I think it's fair to acknowledge our privilege. I think it's fair to throw it out there and say, we're both 
cis white men. Yeah. But I don't think that that means that we have to apologize for talking about it. I think it just means that we have to acknowledge that we're talking about it from this perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, there you go. That's it. This is me acknowledging that because also, and it's not so much that we're talking about it as much as that, like this, the angle that I'm approaching this from is I want to start doing this segment called not my final girl. And it's kind of shitty. I get it. I don't think it's shitty at all. You don't think it's shitty at all? Mm-mm. Okay, cool. No. I just, we are allowed to state our opinions that people don't belong in the position they think they belong in. <laughs> we are like, you're fired. You are not <laughs> you're fucking fired. my you're final not girl. not my final girl. I did not vote for you. No. Not my final girl. Because throughout slasher history, there have been films that present to you a final girl, saying, this is your final girl, to which I say no. She is not my final girl. And usually in a lot of these cases, it's because I think there's a character in the film that is way more deserving of the final girl attention. And I think a lot of this, normally, it just comes down to men not being able to write women very well or trying to write women, you know what I mean, from the idea that they're trying to write a woman, you know, and not just a character. Like, this is a person. And and more often than not, the way that that is achieved is by giving the woman some kind of trauma. Yes. You know, and that makes her a a character rather than just a victim. It's so much. Which is fucked up. That's a fucked up way to try to make somebody real. Oh, this person has worth because of pain. Yeah. And not just because they're a person who has worth. Like, there's a lot of that. I'm not saying that I don't appreciate a good amount of trauma in a protagonist. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing, you know, a lot of times. But it's also like if that's your, if that's the extent of your characterization of this person, you doing your job as a writer i also just think it's like writers not realizing which character is the interesting character when they're writing them and and maybe it's because they're overcompensating to try and make a protagonist too empathetic or something there's a lot of reasons that a final girl presented to us in a film could be objectionable (laughs) i think but so that's why i'm kind of a little like i want to acknowledge that i you know i don't have the perspective maybe that some other people would have. And if I say a final girl that's like, oh, I'm not not my final girl, someone might take a, you know issue with that and be like, well, this is what I see in this character. Yeah, well, I, to that I would say, you know, just hit us up on social media and yell yeah. at us and tell yeah. us why we're wrong. Yeah, we want fine. that. That's yeah. all we've ever wanted from you Okay, listeners. well, you need to calm down because I want <laughs> adoration and money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, give us adoration, money, and yell at us and tell you know us what? why we're wrong. Don't worry about the money. Snacks. I'll take snacks okay, instead adoration, of money. Okay, adoration, snacks, and yelling. I also just want to say, I'm not like these characters, these final girls that I'll be talking about. One, they're not real people. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I can kind of be hard on them. It's How not a big deal. dare you? But also, like, I don't hate any of them, as far as I know. I hate some of them. I mean, okay, there's, yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> And also, I just, I mean, to add to that, this is a conversation. We are not experts on this. We are not telling you how to feel about something. Yeah. So I want to kind of introduce the concept of this and semifinal girls to a degree, because semifinal girls are the characters in these movies that I feel should be the final girls. Okay, wait, what's the difference? But they don't have to be that. They can just be a character that's presented to you that could be a final, you know, that has a lot of final girl traits, but... They don't survive for whatever reason. They just die. Okay. Usually, it comes down to they don't fight back, and sometimes it it appears to me that the semifinal girl is maybe being punished for not being assertive, or it's a way of the final of showing us that unless the final girl asserts herself and and empowers herself to fight back, then she will end up just like this semifinal girl who has died. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So what movie do you in particular <laughs> want to talk about tonight in terms of Not My Final Girl? Okay, so tonight's film. Tonight's film is... Oh, can I guess? Yeah. Is it Gremlins 2? It is... The new batch? Why? What? Is not your final girl Greta Gremlin? <laughs> <laughs> It is not Greta Gremlin. Greta Gremlin does not... Oh, she does survive that movie. Because at the end, she's making out with fucking Robert Picardo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is... I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Because at the end, she is sexually assaulting Robert (laughs) Picardo. I love Greta Gremlin. Greta Gremlin's great. Who tonight is not your final girl? The movie is Friday the 13th, part seven, The New Blood. The final Mm. girl is Tina Shepard, who is really, honestly, I'm going to be honest, is less of a not my final girl and more of a not your mother's final girl, not your grandma's final girl. Explain. So here's the thing about Tina. She kind of is a drag. Yeah, she's a mess. She's a drag. And there's a lot of the final girls that I have this issue with, it's mostly just because they're a drag, you know? And I'm not saying, like, intelligent, attentive, level-headed, responsible, watchful women are a drag. Because <laughs> there are plenty of these final girls that I love, and those are their traits. Whatever. Tina Shepard's a drag. She's a bummer. But here's the thing about her. She's Carrie. This movie is Jason versus Carrie yeah. because they couldn't do Freddy versus Jason and they couldn't do Jason versus Carrie, you know, by name. And Carrie is a drag. There is a reason why she's so picked on. Well, that's and the I thing. love her and I feel bad for her, but there is a reason that people are so mean to her. It's because she's kind of a drag. And there's, I mean, it's not even her fault. No. But she's... you can still be a drag and have it not be your fault. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. That's kind of where I'm trying to come. That, that's... I think that's that's my whole thing here is that when I say Tina's a drag, I'm not saying I don't relate to her or I don't empathize with her or yeah. that I don't root for her even. Mm-hmm. I want good things to happen to her. She's not that fun to watch. Right. And that's the thing with Carrie is that movie. Carrie's not a final girl. I'm sorry. Carrie is what Carol J. Clover describes as the... No, the f- final girl is a female victim hero. But Carrie is a female monster victim hero. Like she is a monster and yeah. it's what Barbara Creed called the monstrous feminine. That's what Carrie is. She's the witch archetype of the monstrous feminine. You know, in, 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 in that regard, she's, she's, an un, she's what you call an unreliable protagonist. Yeah. She is not, she's not a good like avatar for the audience. You see what she's going through, and it's awful, and you want her to get better mm-hmm. or figure it out. Spoiler, she does not. Which Correct. is one of the reasons like I don't consider her to be a final girl. But it's also like the stuff she's going through, she's a vulnerable person who is not being reasonable, who's not thinking logically, who is not thinking even... You know, there's no empowerment in it, necessarily. I mean, there is when she kills everybody in the fucking prom. I don't even know if I would call that empowerment, though, so much as just... I mean, it's, it's trauma to the point of her snapping. Yeah. Like, she's pushed over the edge. And that's where the horror comes from. Right. Like this, it's a double... It's the, it's the horror of the internal and the horror of the external mm-hmm. is what we're talking about when we talk about something like Carrie. Slasher movies do not deal in the horror of the internal, necessarily. Right. I mean, you could argue that there's themes of it in certain, especially, you know, but proto But at their slashers, face value, like a, as an overall subgenre. Exactly. It's not Carrie, it's Jaws. It's this external force mm-hmm. is killing and we have to survive it. Right. And our final girl has to defeat it. Yeah. And that's not Tina. <laughs> Because Tina is, she is intelligent, she is watchful, she is level-headed. But she is Carrie. She is a 
broken, traumatized person who was raised in a very toxic environment that needs to be pushed over the edge for her to get to the point of breaking. Exactly. And that's, well, that's, that's Tina's whole thing. She yeah. has to be pushed over this edge to get these powers, to, mm-hmm. to use the powers. And that's not a final girl trait. That's not empowering. It's not level-headed even it's like well and this isn't even subtext this is text like it's literally said multiple times that this doctor that she's working with is actively trying to enhance her trauma to enhance her powers Mm -hmm. exactly yeah and that's the other thing is this again i i've this whole story with crew dr cruz and tina and her mother is a whole other movie like they that's the thing is that this movie they were like well jason versus carrie but if we want to do carrie we've got to have carrie have the same kind our carrie has to have some of the same conditions going on. But they give her a sympathetic mother, but then they give her this doctor figure. And, oh, the kids can't be nice to her. They have to bully her because it's the only way she'll get to the point of emotional distress. It feels kind of gross. Yeah. Especially when you consider these other characters who are like, you know, you give them Melissa in the form of this, like, the ringleader. She's like the PJ Souls character in Carrie. But she's, you know, she can't do it on her own. She has to have other people in service of her. And in Carrie, you have an entire feature film length to kind of play with the, the the subtleties of that and the nuances of that and the people who are genuinely trying to help Carrie but do not understand that they are being undermined or being used for nefarious purposes to bully Carrie because there are those characters. Like Sue Snell? Yes, yes. And and William Cat. And you can't, you don't have that kind of time in a Friday the 13th movie where you're also dealing with Jason's stuff. So you can't really give that kind of attention and detail to it. So you have these characters that are just kind of going along with whatever Melissa does and mm-hmm. being shitty to Tina in the service of breaking her so that she can have these powers at the end to fight Jason with. And it's, don't get me wrong, it's interesting. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's not a final girl, though. Again, like, I don't agree with the idea that final girls have to reject male attention or be uninterested in male attention. And I think plenty of examples show that. Exactly. I mean, even Laurie Strode, honestly, like, she does have a crush on Ben Tramer. She does want to go to the dance with Ben Tramer. Right. But she's not going to actively seek his attention out. I mean, maybe she will after the events of Halloween. You know, that's the whole thing is that she's the final girl is transformed in these films. Mm -hmm. Tina's not really transformed. She's just kind of like you said, she's broken. (laughs) She gets pushed to the point where she has to use these powers. Here's what happens. Dr. Cruz is constantly using her her guilt over her father's death to gaslight her. Like she doesn't ever seem to come to terms with it. But he's always bringing that up. He's always saying, oh, you're guilt over your father's death. You need to address it. And like, he's right. Look, they try to fit so much of this stuff into this film. Right. And there's just no room for it all. And so it kind of kind of, it gets kind of like, well, this is a different movie. This is, again, this is something that if somebody produced it today, it would be called Elevated Horror, you know? I would, honestly, I would love to see Part 7 released today. Even in 2009, I, instead of the remake being sort of a, a mash of one, two, and three, yeah. I wish it was a mash of seven and one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would love a whole... There's so many of these Friday the 13th movies that I'm just like, man, I could watch five more movies that are direct sequels to this. Yeah. I want to know what happens with the people from five. Yeah. I want to know what happens with Tommy Jarvis after six. I want to know what happens with Tina after seven. I don't really want to know what happens with Rennie. I don't, and Sean I don't care after about Rennie after yeah. So at this point in slasher movies, they had started like giving the final girls like a boy toy to be with at the end who also survives the movie. A, a yeah. final boy, you know. Uh, Nightmare 4 had it. And Nightmare it's usually, honestly, a, a, le- a side character to a degree. Like who doesn't often do much, right, in the finale? Yeah. Like Nick exactly. doesn't do anything in part 7. Sean doesn't really do anything in part 8. Mm-hmm. Well, it's They're the- just there to be 
arm candy? Yeah, well, they're so what they're there for often, and I misspoke. Nightmare on Five does not have one. That's right. It's Kelly Jo Minter is the secondary final girl in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's like that movie has two. Yeah, these guys. This the purpose they serve oftentimes is to be the ineffective woodsman, is what it is. They're the the woodsman in Red Riding Hood. They're the the heroic figure, the heroic male with knowledge and bravery or whatever that comes to like the rescue you know but then they're not <laughs> at all effective yeah. it's almost like dick hollering in the shining in a lot of ways uh but, but he surviving. died exactly but these are characters you know who's that a good survive. example of that what? is dewey in the scream movies. dewey and scream absolutely like, yeah. yeah because not only is he the male figure that you know would be the final boy if courtney cox's character were the final girl mm-hmm. he is also a, a cop like ostensibly right. implicitly he has you know authority and weaponry and knowledge mm-hmm. and like a community that he can draw resources from and is pretty consistently rendered useless and is always yeah <laughs> exactly, yeah he does kind of pop up every now and then to, to do something yeah but yeah a lot of times these that's what these characters are they the final boys are the ineffective woodsman and okay and and the other thing too is that by the time these characters like do make an attempt to save the day in some way they are rendered useless but it's also like this is where the final girl proves herself so the presence of these final quote final boys is to enhance the final girl's yeah prowess i I think so in a lot of ways i mean it also might be a little bit of that like we need to have a boy with the girl so that we know she's heterosexual Yeah, yeah there's i think there's some of that but yeah, it is. It is sort of like a like. Hey, there's a. It's a couple. They're yeah. good Christian boys and girls, mm-hmm. I guess. Oh, whether that's intentional or not, I don't know. I mean, I think it could be subconscious, but a way of um, yeah, a subconscious you know way of keeping gender norms in place. Mm-hmm. And the final boy that we have in part seven is Nick. Yeah. Who is useless. Is useless. Even though he has that whole story about like. He used to be a bad boy. I used to be a bad boy. I used to run with a real rough crowd. Mm-hmm. Okay, jean jacket. <laughs> yeah, right. You did not. He ran with like an upper middle class suburban rough crowd. Yeah. What were you, embezzling? What are you. <laughs> I, was, ran, I ran with a real rough crowd. Sometimes we'd steal golf carts from the country club. At worst, they would shop at Hot Topic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think they had Hot Topic in nineteen. But that type of, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I kept expecting Nick to do something, you know, the first time. Okay, so what's, what's your thesis with this? I guess my thesis with part seven is that Tina is not, like, she's a very interesting final girl anomaly. I don't necessarily know if I feel that she is not my final girl. Because a couple things about Friday 7. I love it. It's easily, you know, it's not the best of the, of the Friday the 13th movies by any stretch, but it's got a lot of great stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And the end sequence is amazing. The, the third act it's is incredible. Yeah. But that Tina is an interesting anomaly. So basically what you're saying is, Not My Final Girl is where you, are, you generally say there's a better option in this mm-hmm. movie. But in this case, you're more just pointing out that Tina's very untraditional she's a she's that anomalous final girl yes but there isn't really a person in the movie to replace her well here's what i here's what i think regarding that i do think that there is not one person but there are two people that i think could replace tina as final girls okay they are robin and maddie i feel like robin and maddie are kind of two different they're like two sets of final girl traits separated into two different characters yeah the one 
difference, though, the one thing that disqualifies them both from being final girls or semi-final girls is that they are interested in male attention. In fact, the rift in their friendship is that they are fighting over a boy. But had the film taken that full circle and brought them back together by rejecting that... Then they would definitely be final girls. Yeah. Because that's the last step. It's not It's not so much that you can't be interested in a boy, I think, even at this stage. It's more that they can't be your whole world in the film. Yeah. God, how fascinating would that be if this movie was shifting the attention of the protagonist over to Robin and Maddie and their friendship with the Tina stuff going on in the background? And it culminates in this final fight in which Robin and Maddie are are participants in, but not at the center of. Yeah, I th- I think that would be kind of the way you would take it today if you were to make it. Robin and Matt, it would almost be like a Black Cat scenario, uh, the original Black Cat, where you have to have these characters that are an audience avatar mm-hmm. or an audience surrogate because of these two characters that are kind of beyond regular normal people's relations. Like, you know, Tina, by the end of this film, is not, again, she's monstrous feminine. She is Carrie. She is a monster victim hero. She's kind of beyond the point of the audience being able to... I mean, that's the mistake I think this film makes. That's where it's just trying to do too much with her. But I think that what you said is how you would have to make it today. Because Robin and Maddie both have these traits of like, Maddie's the the watchful and intelligent, and Robin is the go-getter and confident. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, these are the traits that you see in most final girls. And at their best together, they round each other out and mm-hmm. f- and form a pretty amazing duo. Yeah. And it would be cool to like have two final girls that way, you know, yeah. kind of. I mean, Nightmare 5, a year later, would have two final girls in a way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So... I fully support this remake of Friday the 13th Part 7. <laughs> the, the new, new blood. new blood. The new, new blood. <laughs> All right. So your your thing is not my final girl, Tina Shepard. Tina Shepard, you are not my mother's final girl, I guess is how I would say that. Because again, you know, it's fascinating. It's She's one of many interesting things in this movie. The actress, Lar Park Lincoln, apparently allegedly did not get along with a lot of other people in the cast. And there's this idea that like the crew didn't like her either necessarily, but it's, she was an older, she was like in her mid twenties okay. when she was playing a 17 year old in this movie and she was married already. And I guess all the kids on this set were partying Oh, and she wasn't partying. Yeah. So I think that there's like, she also hated her outfit and her hair. Really? In the film. Yeah. Okay. Lara Park. I mean, Lincoln, look, her hair down. is bad You're... in this movie. But she's still cute. Yeah. And her outfit's cute. Mm-hmm. Her hair's not bad. It's just not good. And, yeah. I mean, when you're pitting it alongside Melissa, yeah. everybody's going to look bad. True. Very true. I mean, look, <laughs> nobody can be Melissa. No. Except Melissa. But yeah. I, yeah. So Tina Shepard, I mean, it's like you have a lot of the traits of a final girl. You you are watchful. You are the one that knows there's something going on. You are actively trying to investigate it. I mean, of course, a lot of these things are from literal psychic visions, which mm-hmm. is like, I don't know if that counts. And that's cheating. <laughs> Like, giving a final girl actual psychic visions is yeah. like, a lot of movies were doing this at that time. Halloween 5 did it. Friday 8 did it. I mean, it. it's cutting corners, yeah. at least. Yeah. I, yeah. Nightmare 4. Part 8. Nightmare 5. It. Yeah, Part 8. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of this, like, giving women psychic connections. Prom Night 3, mm. giving giving the final girl a psychic connection to the killer, which is an interesting... I mean, it's interesting. I'm not saying it's not interesting, but it's just like, you know... And in this case, it makes more sense than in a lot of those films, because in this case, our character is explicitly psychic so sure she's gonna have premonitions i guess but even though she's often helpless in the film and often kind of like mopey she does sort of assert herself occasionally Mm -hmm. and by the end it's it's a it's a very it's awesome so i don't know 
I don't so, know if I explained it correctly. I think you did fine. <laughs> Here's what I would say. Yeah. Listeners, we are putting this to a poll. We want to hear from you. Who is your final girl? Tina Shepard or Robin and Maddie together? Let us know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, who wins? Who wins? Who's the better final girl yeah. for this movie? Tina or Robin and Maddie? Let's start some internet fights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, I think we're good, right? Yeah, That's I think good. so. All right. Yeah. Not my final girl. Friday part seven. Tina Shepard, come on down. You are not my final girl. <laughs> so I want to talk about another final girl that is not my final girl, and I don't think she's yours either, and I don't think she's really anyone's final girl. I don't think anyone listening to this would be like, actually, she's my final girl. And if somebody does, I feel like <laughs> I want to meet them so I can slap them. I want to meet them just so I can hear their reasons. I don't. I don't want to hear anybody's reason <laughs> for why... Rennie from part eight deserves <laughs> the title of final girl. She's really just bad. Yeah. She sucks. I don't. Okay. She does. Here's the thing about Rennie. She doesn't outright suck. You know what? She's not even interesting enough to suck. No, she's kind of not. That's the thing is that Jensen Daggett, her. I mean, at the end of part eight, here's what I do. I'm like, at the end of part eight, I'm like, Rennie who? Right. Cause like. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's just, she's really, I will say some good things about her first. Okay. She's obviously a sensitive, compassionate girl. She seems nice. Okay. I love enough. I love the vest she's wearing. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I will give you that one thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rennie, your vest, cute. She doesn't seem like outwardly mean in any way, you know. She's uh, she's okay. But she's not compelling. She does fight back. This is the thing. Right. This film, in a lot of ways, doesn't exhibit the traits of a proper slasher in a lot of ways. It's Correct. it's trying to do so many different things with the Jason lore in general. It, like, throws the whole fucking timeline off. It's messy. It is a mess of a movie. Yeah. And the thing about Rennie is that she doesn't do it any favors. Like, again, I like these things about her. I like her vest. I like her hair. I like that she's nice. I like her relationship with her teacher. It's a nice relationship. Colleen Van Dusen. It's a nice relationship. Like it's fine. I like Colleen and because I like Colleen, I want to like Rennie because I want to trust Colleen's judge of character. Colleen even says like you're my best student. Like she's taking a personal interest in this student, which teachers, you know, they don't do that all the time. I don't know. Part of me thinks after watching the entire movie many times that maybe she does. Maybe this is Colleen's like kink where she just pretends to take this intense interest in a student every couple years. Like maybe she has a closet full of, quote, Stephen King's pens <laughs> that she gives every one of these students that she just wants. She just wants to like get off on making them feel special yeah, when they're really not. And what if there's another layer to it where it's like a joke? Where she's like, she's like laughing she's at like them. She's like pranking them. She's like carrying them. She's PJ Soulsing them. She's yeah. like trying to get them to think, you know, and then like they go off to college and she's like, what a fucking idiot. That kid thinks that I like them. Because I can't picture anybody with intelligence getting to know Rennie and being like, you are someone special. Yeah. Because she's just kind of not. And the thing is, the movie's not interested in her beyond her trauma, really. Mm -mm. Like, it's just, okay, she's an orphan. Her parents died when she was young, and she lives with this uncle who's, a, okay, he's a dick. Yeah, he's terrible. Charles McCullough is a dick, but he's not a monster. And the we'll, revelation... We'll argue this for sure. We will argue this. But I, I honestly think in a lot of cases, he's right. There are plenty of cases, there are plenty of things in this movie that where Charles McCullough does something, and it's like, yeah, correct. Or he says something, and it's like, yeah, that's the way you should respond to this. 
Mm-hmm. There are also times where it's like, wow, you are a piece of shit. But also I kind of fault all of the other characters in this movie for that because nobody ever stands up to him. When he says that awful stuff to Sean in the life raft, when he's like, <laughs> are we ever going to get there? You know? Like, yeah, right. Nobody, nobody says, stops him. shut up, dude. When they you know, dock the boat and then get off and he's like, well, you picked a great place to dock the boat, Mr. Robinson. God. And, and nobody, <laughs> nobody, says, nobody anything. says anything. Yeah. And he- that's the thing is it's like, yeah, he's an asshole. But it's also kind of your responsibility as a group of people who understand that he's an asshole to fucking tell him he's an asshole. Whatever. And then we get this reveal that they've teased the entire movie about her trauma, her deep trauma, and why she doesn't remember things, and why she's scared of the water, and why she can't swim. But the big reveal is that her trauma, and her, I guess partly her psychic connection to Jason, in this weird payoff that they tried to put in of like this after the most of the series has hinted at this ghost Jason in the lake to some degree. The payoff on that is that she has a psychic link to Jason. Because... He threw her in the water during a swimming lesson. That's her big trauma as a swimming lesson. Like, I get it. It's scary and she almost drowned. But he didn't know Jason was down there because he fucking shouldn't be because he's a grown man by now. <laughs> right. Well, and also it's like we just came off of another film where her of a traumatized character where her trauma was that she murdered her father with her psychic abilities. So yeah. somebody, you know, getting a bad swimming lesson doesn't really hold up. Also, Dr. Kaiser and, and Principal McCullough are two very different kinds of asshole. Yeah. Dr. Kaiser, Dr. Kaiser... Terry Kaiser is the name of the actor. Dr. Dr. Cruz. Dr. Cruz. Dr. Terry Cruz. Dr. Cruz is a genuine monster. Like he's actively gaslighting, actively actively exploiting, and actively like re-traumatizing Tina. He like what he's doing in that movie is evil, is genuine evil. Right. What McCullough is doing in part eight is he's just an overbearing overprotective guardian right that's his whole thing is like there are gen there are moments where you see that his motivations for being shitty about rennie's life and choices that's genuinely motivated by concern for her by care for her you know it's it's misplaced and it's bad and wrong but like he's not trying to take advantage of her He's not trying to ruin her life, you know what I mean, for his own gain, the way Dr. Cruz was. So, like, to have him following Dr. Cruz is kind of like, no, oh, this guy's not that big a deal, right. you know? So, like, having these be the whole thing for her, mm. to, this is her trauma. The thing I would say, and the reason why I bring up the difference between Rennie and Tina's traumas, is that in both cases, in both films, part seven and part eight, for them to be the predominant motivators in their characters' behaviors... It's it's almost comical in Rennie's case. Yeah, because it's just like, no, you need to get over this. Like, can you imagine if you met somebody that was, you know, just like the kind of person that Rennie was and you got to know them and they finally came to you and said, okay, I'm this way because I had a bad swimming lesson. <laughs> you would be like, okay, we're not friends. No. I, I cared about you. I, I empathized with you for a minute, and now no. Yeah, no. Tina's just making a meme where she's like, I killed my dad with my psychic powers <laughs> yeah. and have been taken advantage of by this evil gaslighting fucking doctor for the rest of my life with a mom who's just enabling my abuse. You had a bad swimming lesson. We are not the same. No, not at all. Yeah, because Ren- here's the thing. Rennie's mopey. Rennie's yeah. mopey, and she's got no life in her. She do- like even these nice relationships she has with her teacher and with her boyfriend Sean. 
she's got no enthusiasm for either one of them. No. The teacher gives her that pen, and she's just like, I don't know what to say. Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) Sean gives her that necklace, which admittedly is a shitty necklace. So shitty, might I point out, that the muggers don't even take it. Yeah, right. They They just throw it it. on the ground because it's not worth anything. (laughs) Right. Because you're a bad boyfriend, Sean. I mean, he's a high school boy. Like that's, yeah. that's he's a high school boyfriend. That's yeah, what that exactly. is. Exactly. You get a Statue of Liberty necklace because you think, oh, this is special. Yeah. Jesus. I bought a boy a puka shell necklace from my class trip to Florida. We all have done <laughs> stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just Sean being it's a teenage Sean boy. It's just Sean being a teenage boy. Yeah. But I just think it's funny that like he's like, oh, it's no big deal. Because he gives it to her and she, her reaction again is, but I didn't get you one. That's her whole thing about it. And he's like, well, it's just nothing big, which he's right. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like affirms that opinion by just being like, no, I like it. <laughs> it's like, it, it doesn't feel like she has any history with any of these people really either. Like none of it's tangible. Like when she's interacting with the teacher and when she's interacting with Charles and when she's interacting with Sean, it just, she doesn't seem to have any history with any of these people emotionally. Right. It's like she just showed up like a week prior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Charles is like, you're making a mistake and she's got like no reaction to it. She just, her just doesn't have reactions or life or joy or when she's upset, it's just like a whiny upset. Yeah. Rennie sucks. She's the worst. Yeah. And I'm not, she's not the worst. She's not the worst. She's not the worst. She's no Rick. She's no Chris. Yeah. You know, she's just kind of like, I don't know. There's no real parameters or clear stakes around her trauma, around her interactions. She's got this dog, Toby. Anytime a dog shows up on screen, I get insanely stressed out. Yeah. And this movie in particular makes me angry. That Toby is an inclusion in it. It makes Dude, me so angry. The way they treat this dog is, so, I mean, for one, it's an, just an obvious plot device to get her to speak her feelings aloud. Yeah. So that's it. Like, it's just for her to say stuff like, and really, the stuff she's saying to the dog, too, isn't even that interesting. It's like, well, better go out and make some personal experiences. And it's yeah. like, you didn't even need to say that. That's a non-statement. Also, you brought a dog on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. And this dog fucking disappears. Multiple times. Multiple times. And she's like concerned about it for like a couple minutes max each time. Yeah. It's like they're trying to get us to like her because she has a dog. But the but, but it actually makes me hate her more because I'm like, you are not a good dog she's owner. She's not taking care of this dog at all. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. We get a shot of her writing in a diary. Sorry, I'm sorry. Did I say writing? I meant looking at a diary with a blank page. Natch. And it's like the, her whole thing is she's not interesting. Mm-hmm. Her whole character trait is that she wants to be a writer, but she has no lived experiences to write about. Except a bad swimming lesson. Except a bad swimming lesson. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. She's just kind of a nothing. So the, the final girl traits that they do give her, okay, right, are, are these, she is on guard. She does know something's wrong. Here's the thing, though. It's not because she's observant or vigilant in the way that it's usually like final girl's catching on to things or even having just a vague feeling or even just by their nature being sort of guarded, withdrawn, observant people. It's not that. It's she has some bizarre psychic link to Jason that gives her these Italian as fuck hallucinations. Right. And these things are cool. The porthole, Jason, the mirror effect is really great of Jason coming out of the mirror with all the fog, bisexual lighting and all of these scenes. And then the flashback in the in in the puddle of gasoline, I guess it's gasoline, that she sees on the ground oh, after yeah, yeah. she kills her teacher. That's another thing. 
She kills her teacher. That's not final girl behavior. No. Because she does it in a panic. Here's what I'll say. They give her that. They give her this idea of she knows something is wrong. There are these omens. There's a Cassandra element of her. And again, this is right after we have Tina, who is explicitly psychic. Mm-hmm. So her visions make sense. Rainy's visions, it's its almost like they were like, well, the last one had visions, so this one gets them too. Yeah. Why not? It doesn't make me like her more. It doesn't make her more interesting. Not at all. Which is weird. But the other final girl traits they give her, she does get proactive. She does do things. She does fight back. She stabs Jason in the eye with her Stephen King pen. She goes to drop the anchor. But by the way, bad move. When Charles McCullough, when she's going to drop that anchor during the storm and Charles McCullough's like, what are you doing? And she's like, Sean said to drop the anchor. And he's like, no, what kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense. It's actually the wrong move. Dropping anchor in the storm is a bad call. Yeah. So that is, I mean, it's, she's being proactive kind of, but Sean told her to do it. So not really final girl behavior. No, she does save the dog. She saves Toby. When? When the mugger tries to shoot him. She slaps the gun away. What I'm getting to is that when she drives the car to run, when she takes the cop car to run over Jason, Uh while she's high on, I'm assuming, a speedball, she runs over, that's final girl behavior. Taking a car, especially a cop car, and running over your killer, final girl behavior. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, she panics, has a crazy hallucination, and crashes the car into a wall and kills her teacher. And then she doesn't seem to be emotionally impacted by it at all. She moves on from that real quick. She just has her vision about the swimming lesson in the gasoline puddle. I love that that's her thing. So she has that revelation about what her swimming lesson was. And instead of focusing on the fact that she just murdered her teacher, she immediately turns on her uncle and be like, you pushed me in the water. (laughs) Yeah, It's like, that's what you're focusing on? If I were her uncle in that moment, I would be like, Okay, 10 years ago, I pushed you in the water to teach you how to swim. 30 seconds ago, you killed a woman. Yeah, her corpse is literally burning right there in front of us. We can see her right there. Your fault. You did that. (laughs) You did that. You don't get to make this about me and the swimming lesson now. Right, that's that's some impressive deflection right there. She's also just unreliable for that whole third act. As a protagonist, because she's on drugs. Because she's on drugs. Not her fault. Right. Not trying to shame her for that. But, you know, not not final girl. (laughs) It's a really stupid choice in in a movie to make your protagonist be on drugs for the final third of your film. Like, to be incapacitated. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, if, if, if the drugs are serving some other purpose in the narrative, sure. If it's just because, oh, she's high now and doesn't know what she's doing... For what reason? So she can crash a car and kill a teacher? And then have a revelation? What I'm saying is, just like in Friday 3, where we have this final girl, Chris, who's not great, and then you have Vera right there, who could easily be your final girl. Mm -hmm. And in 7, you've got Tina, who's like a very unconventional final girl, unreliable in a lot of ways. And then you have Maddie and Robin right there, who could together could be a final girl. Part 8, we get Rennie, who sucks the whole time. And then we have... Eva Watanabe, who I think occupies the place of semi-final girl. She's already a more compelling character. I mean, we, are, we aren't shown a lot about her. Right. But I also feel like we know her just as well as we know Rennie. I would agree with you on that, for sure. Yeah. We know very little about Eva. Eva Watanabe, played by Kelly Hu, who has had a very interesting career, I think. Like, you look a lot of her, a lot of her roles that I know her for, at least, and it's like this and... Cradle to the Grave and X-Men 2 and Scorpion King. And it's like, they're all pretty important characters in the films that kind of do a lot, but don't really get to talk much. Yeah. (laughs) And now she's a voice actress. That's really weird. Anyway, 
Oh, well, good for her. Yeah. No, she's great. She's great. But Eva. Yeah. Watanabe. Yeah. We know very little about her. True. Very true. She's in very little of the film. Mm-hmm. Which, honestly, I mean, this is, uh, again, one of my big issues, and we'll talk about this more when we do Hot or Not Alive, is that the most interesting characters are killed off the fastest oh, yeah. in this film. Yeah. I mean, the boat sinks halfway through the movie, yeah, and everybody that I cared about was on it. <laughs> well, also, the you know, all the people that, I guess, died in the restaurant. Right. Like, literally every other kid. Keep in mind, the next time you watch it, keep in mind... There's a whole montage scene after they get on the boat and the boat sets sail where you see lots of kids mm-hmm. doing kid things, dancing in the club, playing shuffleboard, skeet shooting, which is a weird choice, I think. Right. But having fun and doing these things, all of those kids die. Yeah. They all die. Off screen. We don't see Yeah, them. we don't see them. But how fucked up is that? Yeah. I feel like they're all more interesting than Rennie. <laughs> yep. But my case for Eva is this. She has a lot of final girl traits. One, she's not actively seeking male attention. She does express interest in Julius, mm-hmm. who I, I love. Of course. But she, she expresses interest in him, but she's not actively seeking it out. She doesn't have any visions or omens or anything, but she does seem unnerved and on guard. Like, she is observant about her surroundings. I mean, just in the scene where she's offered cocaine, she's like, are we going to get caught? Which means she's on the lookout for trouble, right. which is a final girl trait. Also... A final girl trait, she turns the cocaine down initially. Mm-hmm. She says no to it. She does end up getting pressured into doing it, into doing the coke. But also, not doing drugs is not a prerequisite for being a final girl. No. Laurie Strode smokes weed in Halloween. Mm-hmm. We learn that she is smart. She's got a science scholarship that's not anything to sneeze at. Yes, but also, it's not... And I'm not quite sure how to say this. It's not the defining characteristic of her. She is not just a nerd. No, no, no. You know, it is not. Because if she was too far in that realm, then it would be, okay, you're a different type of victim. Exactly. And that's another thing I wanted to get at. She's not explicitly in any clique. She's not a nerd. She's not a punk. She's not any of these. She's not a jock. You can't just define her with these things. Right. Because she's... She's super smart. She dresses really cute. She oh hangs God. out with arguably who is supposed to be, you know, the the popular girl. Yes. The Heather, yeah. you know. The way that Lori hangs out with Annie and yeah. Linda, mm-hmm. who are both like popular girls. Mm-hmm. And she wants to impress them. Eva wants to impress Tamara. Yeah. She even does that thing with her hair after Tamara does it, you know? So she's, again, she's observant. She's also trying to, like, find her place in the world and impress this cool friend she's got. She does co- We see her do cocaine. <laughs> right. Okay, not a nerd then, you know? She's not square. Right. And yeah, her. I want to talk about her outfit. It's so fucking it's, cute. It's maybe my favorite outfit in the entire series. Wow, really? I, fucking, I can't say that. I love it but I do so love it. much. She's wearing an oversized t-shirt with horizontal stripes. And it's a very like muted, what is that? It's like a taupe kind of a color. It's like, it's almost like those hyper color shirts Uh in the nineties, if you remember those, but it's yeah, oversized, thin black horizontal stripes. These like, they're like yellow shorts with overalls, right? Yellow matching. No, it's so much cooler than that. So it's, she's got these yellow shorts uh-huh. with a cool belt, like a black leather belt with like a silver ring buckle. Uh-huh. And then it's not overalls, it's suspenders. But she has crossed the suspenders. Like she's making a fashion statement with her suspenders. Wait, did she cross them on both sides? Yes. It's not, she's not just wearing them backwards. Wow. I checked today. It's hard to see because her fucking hair 
is enormous. Yeah. yeah, it is. And amazing. It's so long. Her hair is amazing. And it covers the back. But there's one shot where I was like, oh, you can kind of see the suspenders are crossed in the back, too. So she's not just wearing them backwards. She crossed the front suspenders. Wow. I mean, that's that's a choice. And I want to bring that look. look back. Right? I want to start dressing like yeah, that. Yeah, I want to make that a thing. And it's not just suspenders. She has like a pin. She's got like a really cool like pin or brooch on this one of the suspenders on the left side. And she's got leggings under those shorts too. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a she's great so fucking cute. outfit. It's such a cute outfit. She's so adorable. Yeah. So it's like, so she's not a nerd because she dresses like this. It's kind of like, it's cool. She's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. She's a cool nerd. That's final girl shit. Mm-hmm. So these are all things we also know, though, that as much as she wants to impress Tamara, she is strong-willed enough to ditch Tamara. When Tamara shoves Rennie into the water, Eva makes it clear that she's not okay with that. Right. And Tamara invites her out, and she's like, no, I'm good. I'm not okay. Like, this is, I'm walking away from you. Mm-hmm. But she's compassionate enough that when Sean makes the announcement over the PA for everybody to, you know, start getting ready to leave. Oh, yeah. She goes back. She goes back to look for her friend. She's mm-hmm. a good Friend, which in any other movie, that would be the start of, you know, her realizing the problems on this boat and then, you know, leading to her mm-hmm. being the final girl. And mm-hmm. instead, this movie just kind of throws her under the bus. It's, it really, well, it throws her on the dance floor after strangling mm-hmm. her to death. Because she does, she finds her friend's body, mm-hmm. which immediately, oh my God, trauma. Yeah. You know, my friend is dead. And the last thing I said to my friend was blowing, the last thing I did to my friend was blow them off. Mm-hmm. That's immediate guilt. And now she's in a cat and mouse sequence running from teleporting fucking Jason. Right. And she dies alone in that shitty dance floor with that awful music playing. Yeah. I mean, it's, the music's kind of fun, but it's also like, that's not what I want to hear when I die. The thing is, is that she gets this extended cat and mouse sequence after finding the body of her friend. This is final girl shit. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Yeah. In any other movie, this character with that arc, final girl. Here's the sin. She doesn't fight back. Like a lot of the characters in this movie, this movie has multiple scenes of characters, usually women, just kind of sitting there letting Jason do what he's going to do to them. Right. Not run, not even running. In this case, at least Eva is running. Well, but in, in Eva's defense, in that sequence, in the dance floor, mm-hmm. he is teleporting all over the room. He's teleporting. She, there really is little that she can do because she keeps turning to different directions and he's there. Yeah. So it's like she's looking for an exit. She's looking for a weapon and everywhere she turns, he's right there. Yeah. So what is she supposed to do? It's like the, exactly. the movie she, doesn't give her a choice. She do- exactly. The movie doesn't give her a choice. It doesn't recognize what this character should be in this moment and mm-hmm. it's just like, well, we're going to kill you for it. Yeah. And like that's the whole thing is her tragic sin is compassion. Her tragic sin is trying to help her friend. If she had just gone with the others, maybe grabbed a weapon, she might have made it to New York. She probably would have died there. Although, again, though, I don't buy this Eva not fighting back and Rennie fighting back stuff. Yeah, I, <laughs> I will say wash. I agree with you. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the, the sin is in the is on the filmmaker's part. I feel like it, it feels like this like Looney Tunes artist with the eraser kind of shit. Where it's yeah. like Eva's trying to be the final girl and the writers are like, nope, yeah. nope, we're putting Jason. Oh, Jason's here. Now Jason's here. She's, now Jason's here. You get to, you don't get to be a final girl. Jason's is Jason is everywhere. She's fucking Daffy Duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, you're not the you're not the white girl in this movie, so you're getting Jason. Yeah. It's yeah, it is it, it feels really unfair. Her death has it always feels unfair to me. Mm-hmm. It always feels unfair to me when she dies. It's just so cruel. The way he throws her down to the floor after she's dead is just feels like insult to injury. Yeah. You know, it's never felt right to me, especially considering that like you watch this Rennie character mope around and be asked, like, Are you having fun yet? And her say shit like, Yeah, a lot. 
Like, shut up. Shut, have fun. Do some cocaine. Tamara offered you some cocaine. You should have done it. I mean, okay, I don't want to say do coke. Coke is bad. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. Yeah, we still need some research. Yeah, can we go do some research right now? <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I can't. You know what this movie's like? It's like being on a really terrible date, and the date keeps taking you to really amazing parties and then making you leave. <laughs> yes. And then showing you shit, like... I have this whole thing about Julius. Like I just, I ship, I really ship Eva and Julius. Like I want mm, them to yeah. get together. Julius. I just love him. He's, he's like a much more interesting character than Nick to me. He should be our semifinal boy. Yeah. Or Can you our imagine final boy. if Rennie died in the dance floor on the dance floor and Eva made it to the end where Julius dies and like how tragic that would be oh my God. if they were it's like Ben Tramer. Yeah. In too. She's into him. She clearly mm-hmm. finds him attractive. Yeah. Would be a cool like romantic subplot potential there, but yeah, I mean, even Julius gives we get a false death and a return for him. Mm-hmm. Like he has a survivability to him. I still love the line where he says to McCullough when McCullough's like, "I'm in charge here," and the VC Dupree's delivery of this line is so great when he says, "School is out, McCullough." <laughs> what a line! Yeah, it's so good. He's so great. But Eva would have been great to have around all through that finale. Oh my God! Right? Yeah. 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 She with Julius instead and, of stupid Nick. and that rooftop fight would have been so much fucking cooler if it was to keep Eva alive to let her get oh away my God, right because the scene where it is doesn't really I, I know the idea is that he's buying them time yeah when the setup is very disconnected exactly if they had set that up a little better and especially if it was to protect Eva after like a romantic subplot mm-hmm. had developed between them Like to have him being like, no, you get out of here. I'm going to fight this guy off. And VC Dupree's like whole performance throughout that boxing scene is amazing. He's also great because he's the only one that like when Sean is being yelled at by McCullough in the lifeboat and he's checking his little navigation system, Julius is like, it's going to be okay. You're going to be fine. Like if I made it, you can make it. He's like encouraging to him. It's nice. He's a nice guy. Julius is a great guy. Julius is great. Julius, doesn't doesn't he have a moment with the boxer that ends up getting killed after he beats him where he gives him some encouragement too? Yeah, yeah. By the way, the only reason Julius wins that fight is because the other boxer looks up to see Eva and Tamara yep. watching them. I think that's a great detail. Yeah, yeah, he's nice to the he's nice to that guy, and I I love him for that. He's also named after a drag queen. Really? Yeah, the the writer director I guess used to go to the Queen Mary in Studio City, which is a drag bar, and there was a drag performer there named Julius, and that's why he named the character Julius. Oh, interesting. Which I think okay. is fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, so I just, we're going to talk about Rennie and Sean kissing in an alley on a pile of trash. Yep. Later. And I, I'm punk rock, but I'm not that punk rock. I mean, I've done that, but like, don't. I've never not kissed when you're, on trash. Not when you're running from a killer. You never kissed on trash? Never kissed on trash. Mm, well, I guess some of us are just a little cooler than others. Oh, oh, really? Really? Is yeah. that how you, you ever, define that? You ever, you ever kissed on trash after shooting a speedball? Me neither. Me neither. I don't want to pretend that I've done that. I've absolutely not done that. Hey, will you um, help me make my ultimate kink fantasy come, come, <laughs> come true by helping me make out on trash while being stalked by a hockey mask serial killer? After someone has forcefully York. injected drugs into your veins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need all of those things to happen. Mm-hmm. It also will help if you've just killed the only adult in your life you feel you can trust. Okay, well, there's none of those left for me. I'm in my 30s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, adult <laughs> like that means something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you've just killed, like, your mentor. Nope. Still no, doesn't no, mean anything. No more mentors. All my mentors I are gotta, dead. Okay, I'll go find a mentor, and then we'll set this up. Okay, please do that. So I feel like you were 
con- about to conclude with some kind of thesis I, here. Yes. Okay. So my whole point was that Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan has a lot of problems. I recognize that. I also, it has a special place in my heart. I say this every time, I think, but it's the first movie I snuck into. And it's the first movie that I can remember like as a child seeing like with a horror movie crowd with everybody responding and reacting vocally to this mm. stuff that was going on on the screen. And it was magic to me. So we'll always have that special place in my heart. It is a mess of a fucking movie. And I do feel like a big part of its problems is Rennie is just not the final girl for that movie. Yeah. And Eva is right there. And she's a great semi-final girl, but I feel like she would have been an even better final girl. It's not just performance. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also, partly that. It's, it's partly a performance. But it's, there's a lot of things going on in it. I, I, I think I can sum up everything I, I feel about Rennie and how she's not our final girl in the scene where she's, I'm pretty sure it's the make out in the trash in the alley scene. But she says, she's talking about her being told her parents are dead when she's a kid. And she says, seems like everybody I care about, I lose. <laughs> and it's like, that's her whole character. Yeah. Also, if I were in that situation, I would have responded, yeah. And in some cases, you lost them because you crashed a car they were in. Yeah, yeah. Like the one you literally just murdered. The one you just killed, just like a couple minutes ago. Yeah, that's her very immediately after causing a murder, like, you know, working to deflect internally. Yeah, making it about her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, everybody I lose I everybody about. I care about. <laughs> Even the ones I murder. Yeah. So in conclusion, yes. you would say... Rennie? Which, by the way, what is that even... What is that name? It's yeah. not short for anything. It isn't? I looked it Rinalda? up. <laughs> Rinalda? Rinalda? Renanica. Renanica. Renantha. Rendela. Rend- oh, I like Rendela. Rend- Rendela's fun. Rendela's fun. <laughs> Ren- Renifer. Rendisha. <laughs> Renjamin. Renjamina. Renuel. It means... I, I read one source I saw said that it means small and mighty, which is not our Rennie. I would wait, not call her mighty. Wait, what if she's Karen? Oh my God, Rennie is short for Karen? Yeah, Karen, Rennie. <laughs> yeah, I can that see that. Up. I've known some Karens that were great people, by the way. Not all Karens, you know. <laughs> Hashtag not all Karens. <laughs> yeah. But I can see her being a Karen. Mm-hmm. I can see that being her name. One of the Karens I know is very sweet. Very, very sweet woman. Very nice woman. But Hashtag not all Karens. She's not going to put a Stephen King pen through Jason's eye anytime soon. Thesis. Rennie, you are not my final girl. Rennie, you're out. Rennie, you're out. And? Eva, you're in. Eva, you're in. Eva, gosh. Eva Watanabe, you are our final you girl. You are our final girl in Friday the 13th Part 8. We really needed more of you. Mm-hmm. The world needed more of you. There is a version of this movie that is perfect in our heads where you survive to the end. Yeah. And then you go to college with your science scholarship mm-hmm. and probably fix the climate catastrophe that we're in right now. I mean, I don't know what kind of it, science yeah. she was going into. But I've, she's again, she's compassionate and she seems determined mm-hmm. and she's got like a sense of right and wrong. So I feel like she would have turned her efforts towards a noble cause and would have figured something out. Maybe she would have fixed the Jason problem. Maybe Jason Goes to Hell wouldn't have happened oh my because God. she would have come in and solved that shit right there. We didn't need Creighton Duke. We would have Eva Watanabe. Oh my God. Creighton Duke, you are not our final girl. <laughs> Well, that feels like another podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, pro- no, let's talk about it now. No. Okay. I think there's only one thing left to say. What? Bye, good luck. Happy, yes. crazy, beauty, fun. <laughs> Bye, good luck. TTFN.